1: Uh, Wines. I find them extremely
0: helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch, and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
1: And go ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run home run. Trevor Story. Way back. Myers. Oh, watch it go. Oh, The field, take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Kreisman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies, and on this episode of the podcast, Believe it or not, we have got to talk about a sweep at the hands of your Colorado Rockies. Not of, but at the hands of your Colorado Rockies, taking three consecutive from the San Diego Padres. After taking the series from the St. Louis Cardinals, suddenly uh, the Colorado Rockies find themselves playing pretty good brand of baseball, some solid fundamentals. Yes, the games against the Padres... uh, all had moments where they looked like they were going to get out of control certainly the second game pretty much did but they hung on to one and uh, to one to win and here they are it's uh you you know obviously not a huge consolation prize to most people out there uh, that they're doing this right after having been mathematically eliminated from the postseason there's a cruel irony to what is going on here but there's also a long-term picture view that is very positive right now when you look at why the Rockies are winning these games as opposed to just that they are because some of the elements may or may not be factors next year and it's important because I've come on here when the Rockies have lost some of these games in the last month or two here and talked about how it's not a huge deal that they're losing in part because you know certain players who are responsible for losing some of the games are unlikely to be on the roster next season whatever it may be so it's also important to take a look at some of these wins and apply that exact same kind of scrutiny or at least cross apply the logic and take a look at some of the things that are the positive signs moving forward. You know, somebody, I I did about an hour long Q&A on Twitter today uh, doing this just after the Sunday contest and somebody asked me for some silver linings to the season and i actually thought of way more than i thought i was going to when i began answering the question and the biggest one that stuck out to me actually later i realized that i didn't include john gray because we haven't seen him in a while and i think it's just been a little bit out of mind you know out of sight out of mind for the, the thing there is that if this turnaround for John Gray is real, that is the biggest silver lining for the team moving forward because if you can come out next season with Gray and Marquez, Freeland rebounds a little bit, all of a sudden that's a, it's a completely different ball club than the team that is probably going to finish last. I mean, now they, they've kind of made it interesting here with the Padres. We'll see how the season ends. But whether they're a last-place team or just technically not, it's, it's going to be a whole different conversation if those three pitchers, uh, we've talked about it before, that's by far the most important thing. And so, other than John Gray, what I realized stuck out to me was that there's this big group of players that have taken the step forward into now really being legitimate major leaguers. I've made a big point on this podcast of talking about how Ryan McMahon has stepped into the core I think he made it clear pretty much as the season began and and I'll really even go back and say I think he made it clear last year even before he technically did step into a starting role that he was going to be a starter in Major League Baseball but you know there there are these different steps that's one thing to be Technically in the major leagues, another thing to be a major leaguer, another thing to be a major league starter, and then quite another to be a legitimate part of the core of a major league baseball team. And we saw again today why I believe Ryan McMahon has become a part of the core of the Colorado Rockies, not just the two home runs and the four RBI day, but just him driving the ball to all different parts of the field. The way he's handled, particularly this year, you guys know I'm big on high leverage and clutch when it comes to Nolan Arenado. but that doesn't mean we can't and shouldn't look at it with lots of other players. And Ryan McMahon, sure enough, has gotten the vast majority of his production this season, hitting over 290 when the leverage is at its highest and slugging over 500. In fact, just like Nolan Arenado, McMahon, the higher up the leverage index you go, the better he performs. And and the converse, uh, of course, would also have to be true. Those of you who understand uh, the transitive property of basic logic know that that also means that his worst performances also happen to be in the lowest leverage situations, which means they don't cost you as much. And that's part of why... Despite the fact that his raw numbers look very similar to, say, for example, Ian Desmond's or a few other guys on the team, that Ryan McMahon has felt more valuable. If you're an old school person, you can absolutely point to the fact that he's now at 80 RBI, which ties him for second on the team with Trevor Story. If RBI is not your thing, just take a look at his batting average with runners in scoring position or like I was talking about earlier, the the high leverage stuff, whatever part and, and whether you believe that that's sustainable or not, then it, it will balance out in different ways. Ryan McMahon still overall, he leads the team in walk rate. The slugging, I think, has been the major thing that's really come on in the second half that shows the type of hitter he's always meant to be and when you're lining the ball up like that hitting it with that kind of exit below uh, as he was today the ball he put into the opposite field gap but over the wall 433 feet for a lefty to go that way um, that was some Carlos Gonzalez style power Ryan McMahon's going to hit 35 home runs in the game of baseball one day this is first year of regular starting he's all uh, a 20 home run guy already 21 now could get to 25 maybe by the end of the year that would be quite a remarkable campaign from McMahon but he's not the only one who deserves some attention here and I realized as I was going through that while he's definitely stepped into the core a lot of these other guys have taken that other step from being technically a big leaguer, to being a big leaguer. Raimal Tapia, in my mind, has taken that step. Now, is he a, He hasn't taken the the step that Ryan McMahon had to take at the very beginning of this season, which was, is he an everyday starter? He's right on the cusp of that. And I think that he is, and I think that there are a lot of teams for which Raimal Tapia would be an everyday starter, and of course a lot of this does depend on what the future role of Ian Desmond is going to be. I do think that the team is going to very seriously consider using him off of the bench for a number of reasons one it makes sense I I think they have more faith in Tapia now than they did before after a season where he's proven that he can hit at the major league level and that is what has taken him from being technically a big leaguer to a big leaguer is that he can hit he can clearly hit major league pitching there are the question marks exist for all of the other stuff i do think he's making progress defensively and on the bases and just in general being more comfortable playing at the major league level but if if you can hit 290 in major league baseball you're going to have a job for a long time the next part's going to be will he get the opportunity to prove he can take that next step he was going to get that opportunity to before he got hurt absolutely worst timing possible for Ryan Tapia because not only was he going to get a chance to play center field every single day he was also going to get an opportunity to start leading off all of the time or hitting at the top of the lineup something the Rockies have shown I've actually got an article I'm working on now talked to Trevor Story one-on-one for a little bit yesterday about the experimentation the Rockies are doing at the top of the order not having Charlie Blackman lead off What they're doing right now suggests to me that they would like to go into next season with Charlie Blackman batting in the middle of the order and somebody else leading off. That could be David Dahl or Trevor Story, but I also think they really did want to give. In fact, I know Bud Black had told us they really wanted to give Tapia a look in that spot, uh, the opportunity to be a spark plug. And his numbers have been the best when he does lead off. And and I think that there's something to that. Sometimes I actually was looking through McMahon's numbers today when I was look, looking at all that high leverage stuff I was going over earlier and I noticed that I think it's when he bats sixth his numbers are way better than when he bats anywhere else in the order, but I don't think there's anything to that. I It was significant. I mean, he bats like 340 does McMahon when he's batting sixth in the order uh, and it's obviously would have to be much worse everywhere else for it to pull his numbers down um, but I thought that was interesting I, I I don't think that there's much to that but I do think that you see different kinds of pitches as a leadoff hitter and that Rymal Tapia may be uniquely suited to dealing with those kinds of at-bats and and being a problem for opposing defenses and pitchers in those at-bats but Then, obviously, he got hurt, derailed it a little bit. They started doing the story thing, and story has been performing pretty well in the leadoff spot, which has been an interesting sort of revelation here. And then they had Tapia Batten second behind him. Like, they're doing some experimental stuff here and so I think it's been interesting because I still see a lot of people out there frustrated that the young guys aren't just getting all of the innings and I've been over that on this podcast explained why that was never going to be the case but I notice here they, they don't seem to be credit for the be getting credit for some of the experimental things that they are doing well I guess I'm giving them credit for it now aren't I but anyway um yeah, I, I think it's been really interesting, the top of the order. And everything that they're doing here suggests to me that Tapia is a big part of their future plans. I, I, don't, I don't think there's zero chance they trade him. Uh, I do think he could also be a valuable trade chip. I've talked before about what kind of moves I think that could work in. Everyone listening to this knows I have no desire to see Tapia go and play for another baseball team. And, and like I said, I really do think they're setting him up for a more solid foundational future in this organization, especially with another injury to David Dahl. I'm not sure you want to ship out top if it looks like he can play some center field for you. Then, of course, Hilliard and, and Hampson complicate this a little bit. But neither Hilliard nor Hampson has taken this step. And that's, there's that difference. Hampson might be. And this is interesting. He might be taking that step in front of our very eyes right now. I wrote a story that published the morning of the, the of the day I am speaking on, on Sunday here about Garrett Hampson, uh, some adjustments that he's made, taking out the big leg kick, some of the ways in which he's tried to get himself into a routine that benefits him more at the major leagues uh, than some of the things he was doing that were working for him in the minors. But overall, we still haven't seen... Garrett Hampson prove he can be a big leaguer, right? He he got p- pretty well beat this season. Now, I, I think knowing the young man a little bit and looking at his tools, but also just his drive, his work ethic, uh, how hard he has worked this season to reshape his game, both physically and mentally... I'm not going to bet against Garrett Hampson. In fact, I think he's going to take this step next season and probably in a big way. A lot of us thought he was going to do it this year. Progress is not linear. It happens. Uh, It's been a down year for a lot of reasons, the book being out on him. But we've been seeing, man, today he's laying down a bunt. He's going, he's stealing second. Or they're doing hit and runs out there with him and Josh Fuentes, who, again, who was another guy who, him and Hilliard are are, kind of looking to take that next step to prove that they can be big leaguers. There have been some good signs. There have been some rough signs, and it it takes a long process. That's what Rymel Tapia, who I'm just now putting in this category after the season he's had this year, has had two years of gotten through it before this, right? Well, really, three. I mean, he was around in 16 as well. So he had three seasons where he had had time at the big leagues, but now he becomes a true big leaguer and Hampson Hilliard and Fuentes it may, it may take them a little bit more time but Hampson next year you know we'll be talking about is his third year he, he did come through about halfway through last year so his second and a half he'll be getting into that amount of time and that's why I think he really will start to emerge but g- great stuff from out, him out there that really the last couple of weeks They've been putting the bat on the ball a lot better. And then when once he gets on base, he's a nightmare he's watching him fly around the bases he's the best base runner on the team he's the best base stealer on the team he's the fastest guy on the team if you can have Hampson anywhere near the top of your order or go the other way and flip it around if you could bat him ninth would be an interesting thing that you could do which they uh, started to in the middle of the season Bud Black wanted to do that a little bit more but they they were starting to have so many other issues and and Hampson just wasn't hitting that it really didn't matter where you put him but if he's going to get on base like that and you saw it in the series finale especially just pitchers throwing over there two three four times and then oh yeah I got to make a pitch to Josh Fuentes I'm just going to throw this fastball low and away to try to get a pitch, and there it goes you know it's either through the hole because it was a hit and run or uh, also on uh, Josh's home run the runners were off it was McMahon and Hampson Runners are taking off. You've got good athletes out there. The Rockies are running the bases. I thought they were going to have a chance to do more of that this season, and it hadn't worked out mostly because their fast guys weren't all getting on base at the same time. But you could have a lineup with David Dahl, Tapia, Trevor Story, and Garrett Hampson all starting if Hampson you know, could take over at second base and McMahon moves to first base, and you've got plus athletes all over the diamond. And that could be a really interesting situation for the Rockies next season. But those are some of the guys who have taken this next step you know, on the position player side, which is, of course, nice to see. But the guys who have taken the step from, hey, he's got big league innings, to that's a big leaguer, that are the most important are in the bullpen. Carlos Estevez and Iroh Diaz, they're... I was going to say they're game changers. They're not... They don't fix the bullpen by themselves. The bullpen is still in a world of hurt. I don't want to undersell uh, the problem here or oversell the impact that two... Still young and, and, and still... Proving themselves relievers could have, but still, particularly Estevez. I think, you know, Diaz, I may be calling the pot a little bit early there. This is his first really full year of time coming off Tommy John surgery and a, and a few other things. Obviously, we've talked before about some tragedy in his personal life. And, you know, Diaz is a 29-year-old or 28-year-old, he's in that area, ball player who's also essentially a rookie. He's a he's a low-service time guy, but that also means that he doesn't have the wear and tear on his arm that a lot of 28-, 29-year-olds do because he wasn't, you know, he didn't just debut late, you know, a la, you know, say a Chris Russin or somebody. He His schedule was pushed way back, and he wasn't pitching during those times. So he's still got a lot of bullets in that arm, and I think that he's proven this year that he can handle big pressure spots. And I know they're not in games. You know, it is another level you got to ratchet up when the the games matter much more than they have, you know, they've been mostly out of it since he's taken over the closers role. But it's his first time closing out ball games. And he has shown a slow, steady heartbeat. The stuff plays. And we've known this about Diaz for years. The the question about Iro has never been, you know, does he have stuff? The guy sits on ridiculous velo, and that slider is filthy. The question has always been, can he harness it? Can he get it to go where he wants it to go? And he's done a very, very good job of that this season. There's still some time to be seen, but uh, I think you've got to feel pretty to very good about Jairo Diaz in your bullpen going into 2020. Estevez, I think you've got to feel great about, honestly. And and I know that, like, I haven't looked at his ERA recently. It's, it seems to sit right around 450. Uh, he does because he brings the heat every once in a while, tend to get uh, rocked. You know, if, if, if he, uh, Bud Black has talked about this, he's a max effort pitcher, and he can lose his, command you've all seen it you all know exactly what we're talking about here when he starts to lose himself there's just a huge difference and you know what it is when Estevez has it and when he doesn't when he goes out there and the effort's just a little bit too much and it's just a little too dare I say wild thing and a little chaotic and he's missing his spots and he's getting a lot of that movement at 98 or 99 or 100 miles an hour but it ends up right in the middle of the plate that ball's going to go a long way, but he's been doing that less and less and less. He's been pitching controlled, and once again, and I asked Buddy about this the other day, he has become the go-to fireman. I said, is that fair? Do you use that term? He's like, yeah, I don't know if I really use that word, but I know what you mean, and yeah, right. But yeah, I said, "If there's a, if it's first and third, one out in the seventh, who do you want on the hill? Carlos Estevez has the best swing-and-miss stuff on the team. Other than, well, I mean, uh, in the bullpen. John Gray has the best swing-and-miss stuff on the team. Well, shoot, Hermen Marquez, on his best day, honestly, and Marquez doesn't have the strikeout numbers, John Gray has a better strikeout per nine rate than Hermen Marquez, I think largely because he had developed his slider a lot better earlier, and John Gray's slider at its best is one of the best pitches in baseball. It doesn't get talked about enough, but it's a f- phenomenal pitch. But no, when, when Marquez is at his absolute best, that curveball is unhittable. Uh, anyway, back to <laughs> the side tangent there. But Estevez is, is, is I think, th- probably third on that list of Rockies pitchers with tough-to-hit stuff. And he's shown not just a willingness and an ability to succeed in those high-pressure situations, but almost a want to have them. If one of the other relievers gives up a leadoff walk and then a single the other way, and now it's first and third, nobody out, Estevez kind of wants to come in. And, and have to strike a guy out, right? Like, have to b- have that big moment. And he wants to pump his fist when he gets out of it and do the whole thing. And you need those guys on your team. And coming into this season, we had no idea who they were going to be. And at the trade deadline, we still had no idea who they were going to be. And now I think we do. I think you've got to feel good about Oberg. Diaz and Estevez going into next season and so instead of having a bullpen of one you've got a bullpen of three you got to go find five more they've been carrying eight they'll likely carry eight again next season you've got to figure out who those other five are there might be one or two or three in your system but I I don't you know and and but and they can't be Davis Sean McGee that that can't be how it goes down next year uh, so, I think all of those positive signs out of this Padres series continued to show up. Hampson played well. McMahon played well. Estevez played well. Diaz played well. Tapia showed a little bit. He's trying to get back in there. He also fouled a ball off his knee right after. You know, he, He's having a frustrating <laughs> little finish to the season here. But it, it's the young guys are doing what they needed to do do with the time they've been given even Hilliard and Nunez have shown up and done well in their time Fuentes who I talked about a little bit in there is starting to look pretty intriguing as a potential first base option in the future I'll tell you what I love his glove work over at the bag he looks like a natural and he's starting to look a little bit like his cousin at the plate and I don't mean that in like oh he's gonna hit 40 home runs and drive in 100 and be one of the no idea there's So much about hitting that is mental and so much about hitting that has to do with preparation and a million other things. But from a physical standpoint, I'm just talking from the mechanics of the swing and the way he can sort of go down and get a breaking ball, the first home run he hit in his career on a breaking ball that was sort of out away from him, that he dropped down. He didn't go down to the knee like Nolan will do sometimes, but he went out and got that ball in a very Nolan-esque way to hook it over the line, again, in a very, uh, over the wall, excuse me, a very Nolan-esque way. And then the fastball that he crushed today that he turned on with quick hands, I do it it, like my eyes kind of popped open for a second and I just went oh I know that swing free like freaky close to what Nolan Arenado does to turn on an inside fastball and so they got some interesting options out there and the guys you want to see performing well who are going to be impacts on the future of always managed to be, you know, Peter Lambert didn't pitch great the other night, but he managed to work out of it. Didn't start how he wanted, didn't end how he wanted. I'm going to talk about the starting pitchers after the break, but yeah, that that was the thing that really stuck out to me. Uh not not just in this series with the Padres, but also with the Cardinals is that the young guys who need to make themselves better are doing so. And you hope that maybe you can get another look at Kyle Freeland who's also, surprisingly enough, a guy in that category. But these are players you didn't know at the beginning of the season were legitimate major leaguers. And now you know that they are. And that's a good thing to have going into next season. Also a good thing to have going into next season or any season is a Breckenridge Brew, the official beer of BSN Denver. You know they've got that vanilla porter, that oatmeal stout, the agave wheat. I don't, I've, I've said this a couple times now. i got to stop leaving out agave wheat. I had one of those the other day. Absolutely fantastic. I've been drinking so much Strawberry Sky. They've got Strawberry Sky on tap over at Ice House, and so I was having one of those uh, the other night after one of the ball games, uh, waiting for uh, to, to get picked up, waiting for my ride, hanging out over at the Ice House. I'm in a burger and a strawberry sky, and it was a nice time. I got to say, uh, I usually get them out of the can there, but I was having it on tap was delicious. But all Breckenridge Brew is delicious. You know that it's damn good beer. You can find it just about anywhere. You can go on your Total Bev app. You can get it there. Uh, The Total Bev app is absolutely something that you need if you're a beer drinker anywhere in the uh, Denver metro area. And you can also head over uh, to Blake Street Tavern. They've got plenty of fantastic Breckenridge brew on tap all right hey i'm gonna take a quick commercial break here come back on the other side of it and talk about some of these intriguing starting pitching performances and i suppose wonder aloud what kind of role these guys may or may not get to play for your 2020 colorado rockies
0: are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp-oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have the jitters arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing. And this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having to drink arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.
1: Winester is an innovative online direct to consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Winester special is that the majority of the wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also getting supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster, all you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the small from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping costs. We especially love Weinster here because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R. All right, welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to talk about some of the pitching performances over the last couple of days. Uh, Dive specifically into a bit of what we saw out of Jeff Hoffman, a bit of what we saw out of Peter Lambert, and of course, your boy, Chi-Chi Gonzalez. But let's start with Hoffman because this was exactly the kind of in-between confused start that can be frustrating given the time of Hoffman's career that we are in. He, on the surface, pitched an okay game. He went 5.1 innings, gave up four hits, four earned runs, walked six, though one of them was intentional, and struck out four. Obviously, the number that sticks out to you there is that he walked six guys. And, you know, there was this funny moment in the post-game press conference where I, I, I framed a question backwards. I began by saying, you know, Hoffman was able to get the win and and, and battle out there and ultimately kind of put up a a decent game and bud black kind of just gave me this side eye a little bit and and if go back and watch if you if you've got access to I don't know how easy it is to go back and watch post game press conferences but if you are so inclined go and check it out he just kind of looked at me like are are you sure he had a good game and and <laughs> i i just wanted to say well Here's, here's how I couldn't quite frame the question, but oftentimes, in fact, every other time Jeff Hoffman's walked five guys or six guys, five really, let's, let's say five, one was intentional, and had as much traffic as he did, it's become a total disaster. But it didn't. He got some help. Garrett Hampson made a great catch there was some nice defense I think Walters got a guy trying to steal all that stuff can help and it is by the way just another reminder of the value of defense if your pitchers are going to struggle at times but eventually Buddy did say I thought his last 40 pitches were a lot better than his first 40 pitches and I thought that was interesting to hear because even in a question where i kind of framed it in the positive though that wasn't necessarily my intention bud black did take the opportunity to criticize his pitcher and say he walked too many guys our defense bailed him out but you're right he showed a poise he throw he throwed he throwed better pitches he threw better pitches later in the game after making some critical adjustments and he didn't let it get away from him where so many other times he has of course this comes after two games and I, I asked the follow-up because when you have it going well any pitcher any starting pitcher when they've got their best stuff can go out and, and have a pretty good game once or twice The what separates to go back to the earlier conversation, the guys from technically being in the big leagues to being a big league pitcher, and that's what Jeff Hoffman's trying to figure out here, is to be able to do that with some consistency or to figure out how to compete when you don't have your best stuff. And I felt like there was at least a step in that direction in this last outing with Jeff Hoffman. He took at least... It may have been a small step because it's just one game. But toward managing a ball game at Coors Field, pitching into the sixth despite the traffic, getting swings and misses when he needed them, getting ground balls when he needed them, not letting the big inning happen and get away from him. It's not the same as the two outings before when he just kind of had everything clicking for him. So we remain in a kind of purgatory with Jeff Hoffman analysis because I think he's going to be at spring training for the Rockies next year either way. The big question is just, is any of this real and do we have enough time to know? But I don't think you can make any of your off-season decisions Based on what Jeff Hoffman's doing right now. If you're the Rockies, you can't be going, well, looks like Hoffman's turned the corner. We don't need to go get X now. Like, no, that can't be a part of the equation. But it could end up being that Hoffman is a guy the Rockies turn into a big leaguer next year that nobody was necessarily counting on. Uh, Peter Lambert is a guy who I I do think is going to take that step again. The walks got the better of him. It's not like him. They're going to get this cleaned up. He's, I think, been a little bit careful. It's tough when you're 22 and you're in the big leagues, and you know your first several games were against the Cubs and Astros, and so every mistake you made got absolutely punished, and so now you're nibbling a little bit. But this is not the pitcher that Peter Lambert is. He walked three guys, all three of them scored. I I think he's going to get it figured out. He's been thrown into the fire this year, uh, but he's walking through it, I think, admirably. It wasn't an extremely pretty outing like Hoffman's, though he, he figured out a way to get his five innings. He did give up five runs, walked three guys, didn't strike out a single batter, but got the five innings and earned his first win in quite some time. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm I'm sort of joining Manny in the the kill the win category, and 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 a start like that is part of the reason why, right? You look down, he gave up five earned runs. It, it's tough to say, man, he was awesome. But given the way Coors Field has been playing lately, and given the way the Rockies and Padres tend to score runs against each other at Coors Field this year, it was certainly a, a winning effort. And a workmanlike effort, and you've got to give Lambert credit for that. But I do think we're going to see a retooled, rejuvenated, uh, much more full of confidence version of Peter Lambert next season. Uh, I don't need to relive the eighth inning for everybody in that game where Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and whoever else and and you know not being able to who was it? Oh, it was a uh, Howard Shaw. Parsons gave up a run. Oh, Deal got knocked around. That's right. That was the other one I couldn't remember and, and almost blew the game. Oddly enough, because they didn't have Diaz or Estevez available, it was Jesus Tinoco who picked up his first career save. Make all the jokes about Jesus saving, please. Uh, but he, he actually pitched really well and showed again uh, we forget how young he is he got kind of rushed to the big leagues this year there have been times he's been knocked around but at 24 years old and very few he's got 20 games of big league experience and some really filthy stuff he's a guy that i'm not sure there's enough of the season left for him to really emerge but that had to be a big confidence booster for him we talked to him a bit after the game and, and he he said as much but he not only I'm not going to actually you know what I'm not going to give him credit for coming in and finally ending that inning it was Tony Wolters who threw out Travis Jankowski trying to steal second with Will Myers at the plate which was an interesting decision I get it you're the tying run now a single scores you though you know a a well-placed hit into the outfield can score you from first base at Coors Field anyway and a ball in the gap is going to score you anyway so interesting decision to dash on the stash did not work out but then Tinoco does go back out there uh, the next inning and worked around a, a base runner on a walk, got himself his first career save. Congratulations are in order for him. Uh, we're also seeing a little bit now of James Pazos and Joe Harvey trying to earn or, or prove that they can be some kind of value for next season. and And it's just a free-for-all out there in the bullpen right now, and that's why you don't concern yourself too much with any individual bad performance or even when there are two or three bad performances in one inning I know that was a a long one a lot of people out there talking about some of the rule changes and you should have to pitch to three guys because of stuff like this and I don't know it it doesn't bother me that much and I think especially once the rosters uh, aren't out to 40 in September anymore that problem will kind of take care of itself but Either way, because it's a uh, let's see who's got what type of situation for the Rockies now when one or two or three guys don't have it, especially when one of those guys, you know, Shaw, that, that was a bit of a tough inning for Shaw, that home run that, uh, it was Myers, right, uh, or was it Machado, it, and just over the scoreboard and right. Uh, that was a center cut slider, though, that he threw, but, you know. Whatever. It's, you're, no one's changing their opinions on Brian Shaw right now. So as frustrating as it might have been to see them blow a 9-2 to two lead, and it's always just annoying to watch that happen. It doesn't mean anything, again, if you are kind of got your eyes on the future at this point. And Chichi Gonzalez remains this intriguing figure in Rocky's lore. Uh, who is he? What is he? What is he going to be? His outing today was interesting. Uh, he really battled and again five walks that is not what you're looking for but only four hits he was only able to go four innings he threw 99 pitches across that really battled himself but didn't give in got the ball on the ground when he needed to and honestly it never really felt like he was in a ton of danger he was able to navigate that uh, pretty cleanly and uh, I-, I think it remains an intriguing option As a potential long man next year, I don't think he's going to factor into uh, the starting rotation plans unless he just has a massive spring training, which could happen. But still, I, I think when he, and I'll use the word I used for Hoffman earlier, when he handles Coors Field like that, it shows you a little bit of something about him. And I think it's worth taking that into consideration when you are thinking about how you want to build your club for next year Uh, the first uh, career win for Sam Howard again not super into that stat anymore but any first career anything is super cool and he pitched well he went 1.2 innings struck out a couple of guys uh, was able to work the middle there with the starter not being able to go long and pick up uh, his boy Yency Almonte who had a bit of a rougher outing after a few promising ones was only able to uh, record one out gave up three hits two earned runs it was a dj johnson had a nice game and again carlos estevez continues to look oh he's, he's got the era down to 378 look at that out of baby so yeah and joe harvey closing it out uh, did give up uh, a run i'm sorry a couple of runs but game never really got that close it certainly wasn't uh like the the second game or the first one where the padres we're able to get back into, and it was certainly nothing like the series back in June where the Padres came back with those huge come-from-behind victories that arguably completely derailed the rocky season. So while you don't get your season back and you don't get those frustrating games back and, and you don't you don't get any of it back, it's certainly nice of a feeling to go out and sweep the Padres in this environment and hold on late for each of those wins. Uh, again it doesn't mean a whole lot in the long term that the Rockies were able to win some ball games but the performances therein, I think are spelling some pretty bright things for the future I think I'm going to wrap it up there thank you all for listening into this episode make sure you're following us on social media at bsn Rockies at Drew Creasman at Patrick D. Lyons Make sure to follow us on Facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. Head over to BSN Denvermerch.com to get a super cool t shirt. You know, we're doing them half off after every Rockies win. So if the Rockies win, go to BSN DenverMerch.com. Get yourself a cool, cheap Rockies shirt, man, because there's a lot of really cool ones. So if there's been a design you've been holding off on, because you've already got one and you don't want to spend all your money on BSN Denver t shirts, I get it, but half off that's practically you know you're you're robbing from yourself if you don't get one of those right now so all right thank you all for listening in and continuing to be absolutely awesome I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman and until next time I will see you at the ballpark
0: hey guys I was just sitting here talking to Lindsay about Total Bev's new app It's incredible. You can shop 5,000 different wines, 2,000 beers, 3,500 spirits, anytime, anywhere. Better yet, you can have Total Beverage shop for you and pick it up inside prepaid and waiting for you. Wait a second. That is so cool. So can I still get it delivered if I use the app? Absolutely. I know you guys have heard of their delivery service. Total Beverage will deliver to your house within 90 minutes or less. We can even save you 10 bucks on a purchase of 50 Use promo code TOTALLY10 at checkout. What's also amazing, BSN fam? If you can't find an item you want, Total Bev will give you suggestions of similar items on the shelf. Or you can request a special item right from your phone. It really doesn't get much better than that. Remember, use promo code totally10 at checkout to save. That's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y 10.